Done with frizz? Say goodbye to that poof. Repel humidity and tame those flyaways. One drop, frizz stops with John Frieda Frizzy Serum. Your hair talks and frizz never interrupts. John Frieda Frizzy Serum. One drop, frizz stops. Only from John Frieda. Want to make your blonde blonde? Sheer Blonde Go Blonder Collection by John Frieda lightens and brightens hair to full shades to give you your best blonde every day. Your hair talks. Make a statement with Sheer Blonde Go Blonder Collection. Only from John Frieda. You are Locked On Clippers, your daily Los Angeles Clippers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, I'm Lucas Ann, and thank you for listening to Locked On Clippers. If you like the Locked On Podcast Network and you're interested in joining our team, this may be your chance. The Locked On Podcast Network is hiring a national sales manager. You can be a part of the fastest growing sports podcast network, selling the NBA channel, NFL channel, and the entire network to our national advertisers. If you have the skills, the perseverance, and the game to be a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, email lockedonpodcasts at gmail.com with your resume. That email address, again, was lockedonpodcasts at gmail.com. Now enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of the Locked On Clippers podcast. I'm your host, Lucas Han, and today is Friday, June 30th, 2017. Um, I'm recording this a little bit late today in the afternoon as we get ready for free agency to open tonight. So on July 1st of every year, the old NBA season officially ends and the new NBA season officially begins, marking the start of free agency. So that is midnight Eastern time, the league office being located in New York. So 9 p.m. Pacific time, we can start basically hearing news. So we know that the Clippers have been meeting with Blake Griffin, but if there is going to be a deal, it won't be announced until after 9 p.m. tonight. And according to league rules, no team can contact free agents until after 9 p.m. Pacific time until July 1st comes and free agency officially opens. So all of these teams who you're hearing right now on Twitter, on the Internet, wherever you get your news, they're targeting so-and-so, they're targeting so-and-so. They won't actually be able to talk to these free agents until midnight. So there will be some news in you know coming in the next couple hours, mostly target lists as we hear this team might be interested in this guy, this team might be interested in that guy. We did have a trade earlier today. The Minnesota Timberwolves sent Ricky Rubio to the Utah Jazz for a first-round pick. The Jazz basically needing a point guard to replace George Hill, who's likely to leave in free agency. And Minnesota actually looking to clear some cap room and move Rubio so that they can pursue a bigger target at point guard, potentially Kyle Lowry. But here's what 9 p.m. in Playa Vista looks like for the Clippers, because that's where the Clippers' offices are. So you can bet Lawrence Frank, Doc Rivers, Jerry West, they're all going to be together in Playa Vista tonight, making some phone calls. And then after a couple hours, things will settle down. Everyone goes to bed. The initial frenzy is over, and the players who aren't ready to sign immediately will start taking meetings and hearing more fleshed-out offers on Saturday. So this is what 9, 9.01 p.m. looks like for the Clippers tonight. The first thing is Blake Griffin. They've been meeting with Blake Griffin's agent. They have a meeting actually today with Blake Griffin's agent. And if they get Blake back, then the rest of the plan goes into motion. If they don't, then it's a waiting period. Because basically, if the Clippers were to lose Blake Griffin, 
then it would be time to go full rebuild, trade guys for draft picks, try to basically bottom out and tank and get a very good draft pick of your own. But if the Clippers keep Blake, then it's time to add some players around him and make a playoff run next year. Now, the Clippers don't want to spend too much money this summer because they have the potential next year when some of these other contracts come off the book to have a max slot to add another star to complement Blake Griffin. So they don't want to spend a ton of money this year. But if they keep Blake, I think that they will try to add one wing. And we've heard basically reports from Brad Turner of the LA Times of the guys that they'll be targeting. So we'll get into that in a little bit. But the first most important thing is keeping Blake Griffin. Now, Blake is eligible for a five-year, $172 million max contract. The Clippers, because of Blake Griffin's injury history, are hesitant to make that full five-year maximum salary commitment. And according to Brian Windhorst of ESPN, the Clippers are actually having trouble finding a company that's willing to insure that contract should Blake Griffin have to retire early due to his injuries Basically, normally an insurance company would pay the salary and the Clippers would no longer be responsible, but the Clippers are having trouble finding a company willing to do that with such a huge long-term contract for someone who's had basically injury issues each of the last three seasons. Now, is that the end of the world? No, because if Blake Griffin were to have to retire early due to his injuries, the Clippers could just pay it. It's not like they don't have the money, but it just goes to show the level of worry that there is regarding his long-term health. So the Clippers would rather give him the maximum salary, but for four years, which would be four years and 133 million. Other teams not having Blake's bird rights can offer him four years and 128 million. So it's a slight edge for the Clippers, $1 million a year, basically, when you average it out over the five-year contract, because the Clippers can give 8% raises and other teams can only give 5% raises. So it's a, it, that's not a huge advantage. If Blake Griffin, who's, again, once the contract is worth $128 million, the extra $5 million isn't a huge deal if he really decides that he'd rather be somewhere else. And he could actually get you know, a little offended that the Clippers aren't willing to give him the maximum that they can, which is the five years, $172 million. So that's what the Clippers have been talking about for the last few weeks with Blake Griffin and his agent. Blake wanting that five-year max, the Clippers not really wanting to give the fifth year, which is one of the things that ultimately held them back as far as Chris Paul. They didn't want to give him the fifth year either. So there's a couple compromises that the Clippers could make with Blake here, or it's possible that either side caves. If Blake Griffin does take a four-year deal, he'll just be a free agent again by the end of the contract. And if the Clippers do give him a five-year deal, it's just one more year you know they're already willing to give four it's just one more year so it's possible that either side could cave but there are also a couple compromises that I came up with that I think maybe could be being discussed the first would be a five-year deal but at a slight discount so instead of signing for a starting salary of 29.7 million which is Blake's max and that would give him five years 172 the Clippers could start him at 25 million would look it would get be five years 145 26 million five years 151 27 million five years 157 so 
you try to find some middle ground where we'll give you five years but less money and while the Clippers cap hit for Blake Griffin in the final year of that contract would still be huge it gives them a few more million in wiggle room both this summer and next summer when they're trying to add a wing to complement Blake this summer and when they're pursuing cap space for a max free agent next year. The other thing that they could do would be a partial or non-guaranteed fifth year dependent on Blake playing a certain amount of games. So this is something that I know um, teams have done in the past. I know Mike Miller in the past had a contract that was structured like this because he had so many back injuries. I forget which team he was on actually at the time. It might have been the Wizards that said, we'll give you this contract, but if you don't play enough games in the first two years, year number three isn't guaranteed. So the Clippers could do something like, okay, Blake, we'll give you the five-year max, but if you don't play 250 games in the first four seasons, then the last season is non-guaranteed or only 10 million guaranteed or something like that. And so 250 games a season is 62 games a year, so it's not some insanely high threshold but 250 games in four seasons then he for sure gets year number five if he has you know that leaves the room for basically one kind of big injury that would cost him the majority of a season and he could still get year five but a second one would probably limit that because 62 games a year that lets him miss 20 games a year so a total of 80 games so everyone's going to miss you know 10 games in a season maybe is is normal so it gives him some wiggle room to have one more kind of injury that causes him to miss significant time without losing the contract anything past that the clippers have flexibility to move on from him a year early on the back end of the deal but so just for the sake of discussing free agency i think that it's best to assume that Blake stays because if Blake leaves the Clippers I would hope wouldn't make a big splash you know I don't want if Blake leaves the Clippers are going to have a good amount of money to spend but I don't want them to go after Paul Millsap I, I see no need for the team to sign a 32 year old player that's not going to put them in the playoff race it would be better to pursue young guys on cheap flexible deals maintain your long-term flexibility kind of throw guys into the fire like Sam Decker and Montrez Harrell you know really give them a lot of minutes even if there are some growing pains and lose some games and get a good draft pick next year it's the smarter thing to do than signing a guy like Paul Millsap so that you can win 30 games instead of 20 games but if the Clippers keep Griffin their sights move to the wing because Patrick Beverly is a good starting point guard so you actually don't really need to go replace Chris Paul in free agency. Although they'll need a new backup point guard, that's way down the list from adding a wing. What the Clippers would like to do is add a really solid wing on the kind of team-friendly contract that lets them stay flexible for next summer when they could try to add a star player. So they would look for someone probably in the 12 million dollar range annually at the most and that would preserve flexibility moving forward now the guys that they're targeting 
according to Brad Turner from the LA Times, Jonathan Simmons, Rudy Gay, Danilo Gallinari, P.J. Tucker, James Johnson, Joe Ingles, and Andre Iguodala. Now, Jonathan Simmons and Joe Ingles are both restricted free agents for San Antonio and Utah, respectively. And both of them, while they could be lured away by a huge offer, I don't think they're going to be lured away by the kind of money that the Clippers have to offer. It would take a team like Brooklyn or Philadelphia going and spending a lot of money. The Clippers, again, I don't think they're going to go over... I don't think they want to go over $12 million, but it would be hard for them to manufacture space into like the $16 million range. And that's where I think San Antonio and Utah might start to really back off from matching an offer. So I don't really think Simmons or Ingles are in play. But again, we'll see. Tucker and Johnson are both underwhelming, I think. Um, I'm not sure that either of them is a major upgrade over Luke and Bamute, to be honest. And I definitely don't think that either of them is a core piece. So I don't think they're someone that you signed to you know, a team-friendly deal to maintain, around fle- to maintain flexibility around Blake Griffin. I don't think you can go into a free agent meeting next summer and say, look, we've got Patrick Beverly, we've got Blake Griffin, and we've got P.J. Tucker. I don't think that gets you very far with a guy like Paul George or a guy like Russell Westbrook. But if you go into a free agent meeting saying we've got Patrick Beverly and Blake Griffin and Andre Iguodalo or Danilo Gallinari, that's a little more enticing. Now, Gallinari is a question mark to me because it seems as though he would be seeking a big payday, but, you you know, he's... I don't have a great read on what Gallinari is going for. I think he would honestly like to stay in Denver, and I think the only reason he would leave Denver is if Denver's not willing to pay him what another team is paying him, but there's no reason why the Clippers shouldn't try to talk to him and make an offer and just see if there's mutual interest there. Rudy Gay, who just opted out of a $13 million contract with Sacramento, I assume is looking for a pay raise, and I don't think Rudy Gay is that great, and he's coming off of a really bad injury. So I would back away from that. Andre Iguodala, I think, is the most interesting name on the list, although there's some risk there as well. Iguodala is 33 years old. He's definitely lost a couple steps in his time with the Warriors. He's not who he was when he went there a few years ago in his prime. But I think at 33, he could still be a starter in the NBA. I mean, he was still very good off the bench for them playing big minutes last season. And... You know, I I just I love Andre Iguodala. He's a great guy. He's a team guy. He's you know he chose to go to Golden State and sacrifice a starting role and playing time from being the best player on Philadelphia to being a, the sixth man of the year for Golden State, and then he won Finals MVP coming off of the bench for them, which is unheard of. So he he's a tremendous teammate. He buys in, and I think he's a great guy for the culture. On top of that, he brings on the wing position a little bit of ball handling and offensive creation, which the Clippers will need moving from Chris Paul to Patrick Beverly. Again, I think Patrick Beverly is is great. I'm happy to have him as a starting point guard, but he's not the same kind of sophisticated offensive creator that Chris Paul is. His contributions, while he will be a good offensive player for the Clippers, his contributions will be more felt on the defensive end, where he was all-defensive first team last year. So the Clippers could use a guy on the wing like Iguodala who can run a pick-and-roll, get some assists, play with the ball in his hands. 
and it gives Iguodala the chance to have a bigger role than he had in Golden State. Like I said, he didn't mind sacrificing, but I also don't think he would mind being a featured part of a team one more time in the end of his career. Now, Golden State is really worried about their luxury tax situation with the super team roster that they've put together and guys starting to become more expensive they might let Iguodala go they don't have a meeting scheduled with Andre Iguodala and they might let Sean Livingston go as well who Jerry West really likes former Clipper Sean Livingston but Iguodala the report is the Warriors don't want to give him more than two years because Clay Thompson after two more seasons is going to be up for a big extension jumping from like 19 million to 30 million and at that point if they want to keep the band together they won't be able to afford Iguodala but Iguodala understandably at 33 years old wants a longer term contract so there's some speculation that he's trying to leverage the Warriors into giving him a third year so that's something maybe the Clippers by offering him a contract that isn't huge in money but giving him three or four guaranteed years could try to lure him away. So there are three ways for the Clippers to add one of these players. The first way is in a sign and trade. Now they have a $7.3 million trade exception from the Chris Paul deal. They can use that to give a player a contract up to $32 million over four years, which is an average of $8 million a year, which is not great, but it's a start. Um, you know, you might be able to get a guy like PJ Tucker or James Johnson at that price point, but those guys might get bigger offers as well. But it's a way the Clippers can add a guy. In a sign and trade, you have to send something back. So maybe they send back that protected first round pick that they got from Houston. Maybe they send Cleveland's 2020 second round pick that they got for CJ Wilcox last summer. But it probably wouldn't be huge compensation because it would just be a $7 million player coming into a trade exception. The way for the Clippers to sign and trade for a more expensive player involves sent them sending back actual contracts. So it would be like Jamal Crawford, Austin Rivers, Lou Williams, Wesley Johnson. Those guys or some package of them would be candidates to be sent back for a signed and traded player. And aside from Lou Williams, who's $7 million and expiring and can't be aggregated with the other salaries because he was just acquired from the Rockets. Aside from Lou Williams, the Clippers, you know, those contracts aren't super attractive. Now, they're not albatrosses. Like, it's not the Timofey Mozgov contract that the Lakers had to trade their best player, D'Angelo Russell, to unload. But Jamal Crawford, while a $14 million expiring contract isn't, like, the worst thing in the world, Teams don't just want it for no reason. Now, Jamal Crawford's contract could have value if you trade him expiring for someone else with three years left because then it gives a team future cap room. But for a team to be trading a guy who's going to walk in free agency, they need an incentive. Just someone eating up $14 million of their cap room for one year isn't an incentive. So they'd likely have to attach something else to make a deal work in a bigger sign in, tr- in a sign and trade for a bigger salary that involves the Clippers sending back contracts. The second way for them to add a player is to use the mid-level exception. So without Chris Paul, the Clippers 
are back in the non-luxury tax range, which means they get the full mid-level exception. So we talked earlier in the month that the Clippers would only have this like $5.3 million exception to add free agents. Now with, um, with not being a tax-paying team, the Clippers would have $8.4 million. So that's a sizably greater exception. But notably, guys like Austin Rivers last summer got multiple offers in the $10 million range. So you have to ask $8.4 million, who exactly are you getting? So this would project out to $36 million over four years, which is a little more than they can get with the trade exception sign-and-trade. Notably, they could use both, so they could technically get a player with the trade exception and get a player with the mid-level exception. But this is still way too low to be talking about guys like Rudy Gay or Danilo Gallinari. Again, you can be talking Tucker and Johnson at this price point, but I'm not super sold on those guys as being huge difference makers. I think Jonathan Simmons and Joe Ingles, while this might be the price point where they end up signing with San Antonio and Utah, those contracts are going to get matched because they're restricted free agents. So now you're talking about Iguodala, basically. Would he take $36 million over four years? We don't know what his negotiations are like with the Warriors, but let's say the Warriors are offering two years $24 million, and Iguodala wants three years $36 million. If the Clippers can offer four years $36 million, and the last year is Andre Iguodala's age 37 season when he would likely only have only get a minimum salary contract at that point in his career, it's not really a huge monetary difference for him to go 336 plus a minimum compared to going 436. So you might get into the conversation at that point if he wants to be in Los Angeles, if he's really motivated to join the new team the Clippers are building, if Jerry West can really recruit him, if he has always wanted to play, you know, if it's like a perfect scenario and he really wants to be here, you might get your foot in the door at that price, but it's a long shot for Iguodala. The last way that the Clippers could add a player is to actually clear cap room because this is something that really hasn't been an option in the Chris Paul era because of the big contracts the Clippers have had, but with Chris Paul gone, without that third max salary deal, the Clippers while they aren't a, sal a salary cap room team, they can create some. So if Blake Griffin signs for his max and the Clippers release DeAndre Liggins and Kyle Wiltger, who are the two non-guaranteed guys from the Houston Rockets' Chris Paul trade, then they would be about $7 million over the cap. And the Clippers have some expendable salary that they could trim to open up cap room. So... Lou Williams, $7 million. Like I said, he's very movable. You could probably send him to Philadelphia and get a couple second-round picks. Now you're at the cap. So you move Lou Williams, you're at the cap. Any dollar you move from here on out is a dollar in cap room. Now remember, the mid-level exception is $8.4 million. And in order to open up cap room, you have to lose the mid-level exception and lose the trade exception for $7.3 million. So... Now we're really talking, you've got to clear at least $8.5 in space for it to even talk about it, but you've got to probably get clear more for it to actually be worth it. So you look at Jamal Crawford, 
14 million. If you were to move him, you open up 14 million in room. You can give a guy like Andre Iguodala 12 million dollars a year. Great. If you can move Jamal Crawford and Wesley Johnson, you start getting in like the 18 to 20 million dollar range, where now you could maybe go after Danilo Gallinari. And Austin Rivers at 11 million, you could try to move, but I think he's probably going to be the Clippers' starting shooting guard this year. He's the best of the bunch with Rivers, Crawford, and Williams. So I'm not sure that you just give him up to create room to sign a small forward because then you're back to needing a shooting guard like you currently need a small forward. One outside-the-box way for the Clippers to clear this money would be to trade DeAndre Jordan for a cheaper center, which isn't the most attractive option because it makes you worse as a basketball team, but... The reason why I think it's palatable right now is because you probably won't be able to keep DeAndre Jordan when he's a free agent next summer and add a max contract free agent. So you're probably either losing DeAndre now or then, so you might as well lose him now and get something back for him. We know that the Clippers talked to the Suns about DeAndre for Tyson Chandler in the fourth pick at the draft, and the Suns said no, but I'm wondering if the Clippers could kind of get back into that trade, but ask for less. You know, the fourth overall pick, Josh Jackson, they ended up drafting very valuable for them. They think Josh Jackson is going to be a future star. But I wonder if the Clippers could ask for Tyson Chandler and Miami's 2018 first-round pick, which Phoenix has from the Goran Dragic trade a couple years ago. I wonder if the Suns would consider that. Because then Tyson Chandler makes $10 million less than DeAndre, and now, if you move Lou Williams and you do that trade to move DeAndre, now you've got $10 million in cap room. And then anything from there is a bonus, moving Jamal, moving Wesley. But So those are some ways for the Clippers to clear up cap room. Those are the guys that they're targeting. And then after you settle that, you've got Patrick Beverly at point guard. You've got Austin Rivers and whoever's left over at backup shooting guard. It could be Crawford, it could be Williams, it could be neither. Sam Decker at small forward along with whatever free agent you signed and potentially Wesley Johnson if he's still on the roster. Blake Griffin, who you just re-signed, and Montrez Harrell at power forward. And then DeAndre Jordan or the cheaper center that you got and Montrez Harrell at center. Montrez Harrell kind of can play both backup big man positions. So you're really looking at, after you get Blake Griffin and you get your wing, a backup point guard and one more backup big man. It's possible that the Clippers go into the season with Bryce Johnson and Montrez Harrell as their backup bigs, but I would bet that Doc Rivers is going to get at least one veteran so that there's not as much pressure on those two guys to contribute immediately. Montrez Harrell, we know, can contribute in a rotation role. Bryce, with a guy like Brandon Bass back, Bryce could earn those minutes, but if he's not ready, then the team and Bryce both don't have to suffer through him playing poorly every night. But looking for a backup point guard, looking for another big man, the Clippers would be left with, you know, kind of limited tools, just looking for those ninth and 10th guys in the rotation. If they do end up freeing up cap room, like I said, they will lose the mid-level exception and the trade exception, but 
they get what's called the room exception, which is what teams get to sign one last player after they used all their cap room. The room exception is worth like $4.3 this year. So you could get a decent backup point guard with that and then sign a minimum salary big man. Or if they use the mid-level exception on a wing but then don't use the trade exception, they could then try to use the trade exception to try to add a contract at point guard or a, another backup big. But I think those moves to find the backup point guard and to find another backup big man are way down the line. The big things that the Clippers are going to be dealing with in, you know, not only tonight when free agency opens, but in the next 48 hours and depending on how long it drags out in the next week before they figure out what they're going to do at backup point guard and filling out the roster with minimum salary guys, the big, big things are keeping Blake Griffin and getting that wing. And then we'll see when the dust settles from making sure those two guys on the roster, who's left? Is DeAndre Jordan still there? Is Jamal Crawford still there? Is Lou Williams still there? And then you try to find the last couple guys to complement your rotation and fill it out. But so that's what the Clippers are going to be looking at tonight at 9.01 p.m. when they're sitting in the office in Playa Vista and free agency opens. And we'll see how it goes. You know, it's possible that Blake Griffin could still leave, which would kind of make the last half hour of talking a waste. But it seems like they're, like both sides are, you know, really still want to get a deal done even post Chris Paul's departure. So there's not much to do but see what happens. We might have a podcast over the weekend if there's some huge news, but unless something really unusual happens, and I hear from a lot of people that they want a podcast. It's very likely we won't have another podcast until Monday. So in the meantime, make sure you follow me on Twitter. I'll have all the Clippers news at Lucas J. Han. Check out the Clips Nation website, just clipsnation.com. All the rumors, all the news, great stuff, great staff. And follow the Clips Nation blog on Twitter at Clips Nation SBN. Thanks for listening, guys. This is Lucas Han signing off for Locked on Clippers.